Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in, everybody. It's episode 129 of the podcast that continues to sweep the nation. It is One Man's Opinion. Thank you, one and all, for your patronage. Thank you for listening, downloading, subscribing, commenting. You guys have been fantastic on the comments all across the Google Play and iTunes and Stitcher, man. I appreciate that. That's like, that's currency to a podcaster, and I do so appreciate it. This is episode 129 of One Man's Opinion. My name is Jeff Mance. You hear me weekday afternoon, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. I host the Elite Sports Program over there. I'm also part owner, chief content officer over at fantasyguru.com, seasonal, daily, betting it's all over there come and uh, join us why do a hangout we've got our discord the man's cave over there on our fantasy guru discord we watch the games we talk about the games we pep each other up we root for each other positive environment for all forms of fantasy players so uh, come hang out with us over there at fantasyguru.com also follow me on social media if you so choose at jeff underscore man's on twitter the Jeff Mans, all one word everywhere else, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and of course on TikTok. And I'm not solo today. It's not just the solo one man's opinion. We're doing maybe two men's opinion here on episode 129. Very pleased to bring in a guest, a longtime fantasy staple, a fantasy sports hall of famer, one of my early fantasy sports idols, if you will. The man, the myth, the only, the king, Scott Engel, joined us on this episode. Scotty, how are you, my friend? Good to be with you, Jeff. Uh, the, the tables have flipped, and uh, now I idolize you. <laughs> You're the one. All right. Well, that's, yeah. that's a good thing. I appreciate that very, very much, man. It's good to catch up with you. We'll, uh, I want to get into everything that's been going on with you. You're obviously a legend in this space. And one of those guys, there's a moment, Scott. I got to talk about this moment real quick. And I'm not sure if you remember it, though your memory is fantastic. And I'm always impressed by it. But like early on, you were like you're the morning show host at Sirius XM that launched that station. You were writing a band. I go back to CBS Sportsline, quite honestly. Like I remember you back in those days when I'm reading uh, articles and whatnot and playing just wow. on my CBS leagues. Yeah. So like you were the guy like I, I wanted to aspire to be and um, got a chance to work with you at XM and things like that later on. But there was a moment, and I wonder if you remember this, because you paid me one of the all-time compliments. Uh, you you called me on the phone, uh, I don't know, it was probably you know, six, seven years ago at this point. I was working for Fantasy Alarm at that time, and I think you'd read something in the draft guide that we had uh, put out over there at the time, and it was, you know, it was a little different take, you know, the way I, I like to break down football, talking about coaching, and systems and things like that. And you actually got me on the phone and paid me a compliment and said, you really liked it, whatever. And I, I in case I didn't say it at the time, which who knows what the younger me has done, but man, it meant the world to me that a colleague and somebody I admired would reach out in that capacity to do that. So I thank you here in front of uh, our podcast audience. And that meant a lot to me, man, because you know, that, that was a big moment. I, I'm very appreciative of the support. Well, hey, I meant it, you know, and I appreciate that you remember it all these years later because 
I remember reading your writing and my approach to analyzing fantasy football has not been like the way some other people do it. And I'm not criticizing other people. It's just not the way I do it. I look at the game from my own sort of scouting perspective, if you will, and look at what drives the numbers. The difference to me in fantasy baseball and football is fantasy baseball, the numbers tell you so much. Of course, I like the eyeball test too, sure. but in football, it's really more about the drives, the numbers, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying there aren't a lot of good stats out there, but you know, just all my years of watching football, uh, you know, even before the advanced revolution, it's more about looking at the game from just a pure NFL perspective. Mm -hmm. And when I read your work, it was like, this is my guy. He he <laughs> speaks my language. He's he's looking at coaching. He's looking at at matchups. You know, he's looking at uh, you know, intangibles. You know, which which some fantasy analysts don't buy into. Um, right. you know, because football is a game of emotion. And I said to myself, I said, this is a guy that just like he sees it like I do. And I, I just, you, it was a fantasy alarm magazine. I just read everything yeah. that you wrote. And I said, you know, he's he's somebody that gets it. And I had I already known what I liked from you. And I remember when I first met you at an FSTA uh, convention, and we hung out afterwards, and we went to a Stratomatic convention. Oh, church, you remember this? Church yes. in, in New York City. You showed we me around New York. Yeah. I was riding the subway. I first, that was like my first time ever in the the transit, like in the, in the subway system in New York City. And I'll say. I, I've done the L in Chicago and things like that, but man, the public transportation, riding the bus, riding the trains, all that in New York city was another level for me. And I just followed the King wherever you were going. I was, you could have led us into a teenage mutant Ninja turtle dungeon. And I think I would have followed because uh, I was just at your mercy <laughs> at that point. Yeah, no, no, I, I remember this, you know, and like Adam Bronis, who's the biggest statistical guy, he's like, what's the Stratomatic thing? You know, yeah, it's... Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. If you guys haven't played Stratomatic, it is just out where it's so such an incredible game. And the you if you are an analytical person, it works out because it's all deals with probability and you have cards and you can play basic and advanced version. I fell in love with it as a as a kid back me too. in like the mid eighties. For for me, it was the mid eighties, and I was like just hooked would roll those dice you know forever and um yeah that, it's a and it we when you play it out it's amazing how similar if it were long if you played 162 baseball game season which i've done you play a 16 or now 17 game nfl season and the numbers from these players work out insanely similar not exactly obviously but it's it's an unbelievable thing and for a cards and dice game, I think it's crazy. They do a great job up there. Yeah, I, I grew up playing that too. And uh, the football, the basketball, and the baseball. I was big on the basketball. We could talk about this at some point because I got my career started as like pretty much a basketball writer. Oh, but to wow. me, it was the forerunner in fantasy sports. My friends and I would get together and we would split the cards up and we would draft our own teams. Right, we would, right, yeah, same. Like, like the cards would say, okay, you have to have the, the Chicago Bulls are here, the Detroit Pistons are here, yeah. but we would get eight of us together and we draft our own teams. Right. 
Yep, absolutely. You can divide the cards up that way. Yeah. There's nothing like getting a new card set and then like un uh, like unfastening uh, them, right? I mean, you, yeah. you break them apart and sort them into teams and put the rubber bands around it. Man, that was uh that was the day. By the way, you're you're the you're a Bernard King guy, aren't you? Isn't that wasn't that your guy? That was then, my favorite player of all time. I still have like a uh a hardwood classics Bernard King jersey. Yeah. And that's how my career got started. Just I was this incredibly fanatical Knicks fan mm-hmm. when I was in college. And, uh, you know, I used to go to one year I went to every single home game. Mm-hmm. I got a job working as a vendor in Madison Square Garden. And I used to wait outside after the games to talk to Bernard King yeah. all the time. And he would make me carry his bag. Uh, while he signed autographs and in really? return, he would, he would always, you know, treat me so nice, offered me tickets, which I never took him up on. Uh, but my first article that I ever wrote for the high school paper in Jamaica, Queens, Tom- Thomas Edison high school here in New York, I was this fanatical Nick fan. And somebody had told me that, uh, the school newspaper had free Nick tickets. I ran down there. Right. Right. Yeah. And the, the, the faculty advisor uh, told me that, well, there's a catch that you have mm-hmm. to write an article on the game. Oh. You know, I, uh-huh. you have to write an article about the Knicks. So I said, okay, yeah, I'll, I guess I'll do it. I've never really written an article before. Right. Right. Wow. So I get, I get two tickets, right. And th- they send me to a press conference with the Nick players for high all for high school wow. sports editors and writers. Is this I, mid this is mid eighties, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. And um and I'm uh and so I write an article a season preview about the team. I win the New York Knicks high school sports editors contest. Wow. And get two free courtside teats teats to a game and a feature on me in the game program. Wow. And I said, wow. I said I was an art major in high school. I used to just spend all this time drawing NBA and NFL players, wanted mm-hmm. to be a, an artist. And I said, well, maybe I have something here. And I, w- I went to, to college and started taking up journalism. Wow. That's, that's crazy. It's funny how that, cause that was, I, I wanted to ask you how you got started and how everything went through. So you shifted at that point after winning that contest, you're like, all right, I got something here. So, yeah. and so you knew at an early age, you wanted to work in sports, right? Obsessed with sports growing up and everything as it sounds. Yeah. It's like, I grew up in Queens. I still yeah. live here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was a huge Mets fan as a kid. My father, you know, rest his soul. Uh, I actually have a, a, a outside City Field. They have a fan walk. I have a memorial brick outside of City Field oh, nice. that remembers him. And it's it's right in front of the media entrance, which is fantastic because I get credentials for the Mets. But uh, so I can actually touch the brick every time awesome. I go in, honor my dad, go in. But, you know, he made me a sports fan. Uh, he was an old Brooklyn Dodgers fan who became a Mets fan. We lived in Flushing. We could walk to Shea Stadium. And whenever I got good grades, I got I got to go to a Mets game. So I always I always wanted to be involved in sports somehow. When I found out that 
you know, at best I was a respectable playground athlete, but was never going to make the varsity. Yeah. I just wanted to be around it. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I worked at Madison square garden. I got jobs at sports stores, like selling hats and jerseys just to be around it. Then, you know, writing turned out to be my way into journalism. That's right. I mean, it's so many people out there listening, identify. It's so funny how similar like you as you go through it and i was the same way played sports my whole life but you know i started when i ran into high school i realized oh boy athletically yeah i'm not gonna make it but i want to be around it that what you just said there i think that so many of us especially in the fantasy sports industry is like that's a way we just want to be around it we just want to you know, we're, we'll be doing this anyway, as far as like watching the games and living the games and going to the games and things like that. So we want to just be a part of it. And that's a way. When's the first time? So how about fan? Where does fantasy sports come into the picture for you? And we talked about Stratomatic or playing that. When's the first time Scott Engel hears about like fantasy sports and playing fantasy? I, I, I remembered like, always going into the bookstores mm-hmm. and, you know, seeing books like Cliff Charpentier, yes! John Benson, you know, yes! just never reading through the, never reading through the fantasy section, but just looking at the Mets and the Seahawks, two of my favorite teams sure. and just reading the player blurbs. Right. Uh, but then in the mid nineties, I was working at this, a sporting goods store in Manhattan called Paragon Mm -hmm. Sporting Goods. Okay. And I went away on vacation and I came back from vacation. They told me they had a four. I had worked in the team sports department selling hats and jerseys. And they told me throughout the store, they had a fantasy football draft. And one of the guys I work with in my department wanted to pick my brain about it, about the team that he drafted. Mm -hmm. I had known a lot about players and stuff like that. So he wanted to pick my brain. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, I wish I would have got involved in this league. I had never played it before. And it was an IDP league too. So some guy, some guy didn't manage his team for the first two weeks and wanted to get rid of it. Yeah. So I took it over. Right. I, Mm I, they put the league together and I came back just in time for the draft and I helped my coworker draft his team. Um, and, but then two weeks in, this guy wasn't paying attention, wanted to get rid of his team. I took it over. So I only lost one game the rest of the way through the Super Bowl. Oh, wow. I went all through free agency and picked up <laughs> all the guys that are like, I can't believe they're here. Yeah. And it was just natural. The team that I had drafted for the other guy, I traded with him to get who I wanted. Yeah. And then I beat him in the Super Bowl. Oh, and beautiful. I won my first ever fantasy football league in the mid 90s. The first so time like I ever played. 94, 95? What are we talking This was like 95, and I'm counting the cash, and I'm like, it you yeah. know, goes back to that Nick story. Like, I might have something here. Yeah, right. That's the Curtis Martin, like Curtis Martin rookie year type thing. That was my first. I had yeah. I had Chris Warren and Ricky Waters. Okay. I traded I tra- I traded Brett Favre to get Steve Young. Okay. And I picked up Terrence Mathis and Yes. Off of waivers. I picked up Warren off of waivers. This was actually oh. 94, not 95. Okay. I, and, and then I went through IDP. Then I got run. I got Tim. 
Goat and I got Ed, Ed McDaniel and realized <laughs> that I need the defensive linemen that play the run. Wayne right. Martin, you know, it's <laughs> oh man. <laughs> These are these are names only like the most yes. avid football fan, like the geekiest of the geeky. Oh, right is, here is going to remember, you know, no doubt. fans Every, of those teams. Other people, like, are nobody's looking... going to remember Tim Goad. No, Tim Goad, uh, absolute legend, well, a fantasy legend, I should say. But I love the fact that you're in the mid '90s playing IDP. Like that's yeah. the most. That was amazing... my first league. You're talking about, dude. I don't know how many people know DeForest Buckner, one of the best like nose tackles. Oh, yeah. Now, let alone Tim Goad from 92 or 90, whatever, six or yeah. seven, whatever he played. Like, that's that's a pull, and I love that. And, uh, yeah, playing IDP back then was almost impossible. So you're working at the – We got all the scores out of, out of USA today. So yeah. So I, w- I would run to the – run. I would, mm-hmm. A, run to – the run to USA today, Tuesday morning, and add up all the stats in my head on the subway on the way to work from Queens. Mm-hmm. And secondly, I would walk about six blocks every Wednesday to get Fantasy Football Weekly, the newspaper, oh, man, which was so then good. published by Rob Fithian and Paul Sharchian. Wow. And Two after I legends. won it. After I won my league, and we still laugh about it to this day, I called Sharchi in his office. And I said, I'd like to write an article for you about individual defensive players. Charging like, well, it's not like we ever def- uh, done, haven't done that before, but send it to me if it's useful. I'll, I'll let you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Get off my phone. Yeah. We, 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 we still laugh about that to this day. <laughs> Charch is a great guy, president oh, of the, the FSTA best. for years, still hosts radio shows up in Minnesota. com. Yeah, guillotineleague.com. Exactly. That's what he's doing yeah. now as well. Pythian still with, uh, was with brought back Fanball, um, right? Or he yep. was, uh, yeah, they they are the ones that rolled all that up and and uh, legends of the industry. And that, man, I, I miss those days. We'll get to those in a second because, uh, you know, the way the industry used to be, the camaraderie and stuff, it's still there, but it's, oh, yeah. you know, it used to be a lot more supportive. So, you're, so mid-90s, you're winning championships right out of the gate in, in this dynasty IDP type setup. So wh- what happens where you get involved and start writing fantasy columns? Like, how does that start out for you? Well, this is in the days before we had newspapers, so I actually <laughs> like to keep stats on the cave walls. Yes. No, but uh, <laughs> moved to mm-hmm. Florida in, in uh in '96. Okay. And I was working at Sports Authority as department manager, oh, wow. which didn't work out well. You 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 know you know those those uh those lifts they call them like a beeper. Uh, I I remember I didn't go over too well at Sports Authority because I just drove some equipment to the size of a brand new speedo, thousand oh, no. dollar display, and the whole oh, thing no. fell apart. Oh, so boy. it was it was it wasn't working out. Yeah. So, uh, you know. My wife's family gave me an ad in the Sun Sentinel for mm. Sportsline USA was looking yes. for customer service representatives, and and I had I had been writing for a publication called Inside the Seahawks, okay. which was like Steelers Digest, Dolphins Digest, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. So I put that you know one of one of the things top top of my resume. I was writing a weekly column for them, and I faxed my. My wife and I got my resume together, and I fact, 
I faxed it over and I got a call from Mike, the the late great Mike Kahn, wow. who was a Seahawks uh-huh. beat writer for many years wow. and went on to eventually uh, return to work for Seahawks.com. Mm-hmm. And he called me because he thought it was interesting that I had written wrote for Inside the Seahawks and saw my other journalistic ability. And I I got hired at Sportsline USA as a guy in the newsroom. And it wasn't working out after six months because the work to me was too mundane. I was young and I was wanted to do more and be in the spotlight and wasn't realizing that I had to pay my dues and pay attention more. And I was new to the internet because the internet was kind of, you, you kind of knew. And, but they liked me at the company and they didn't want to let me go. So they said, what we're going to do is we're going to move you. You're going to work in the mornings at Vegas insider and handle the injury reports. Uh-huh. And in the afternoon, you're going to work in fantasy for Rick Wolf. Uh-huh. Uh, the, uh, of course, another industry legend. Over oh, Shaker. yeah. Hall of Famer. Absolutely. And Rick said to me, he said, I've heard a lot of good things about you, but it might not be working out in the newsroom. Uh, after six months, if you're doing well, you can pick what department you want to go into. If not, then we got to make our own decision from there. Right. So okay. I did great on both. And I became the first regular content guy at CB at Sportsline USA, which later became CBS Sportsline. I got the first ever fantasy content guy uh, writing regular feature articles on fantasy. And a, it, it, it came naturally to me. Yeah, I ended up managing our staff of freelance writers. And after six months, they will. Rick was like, you know, Rick and Vegas Insider were like, come work for us full time. And I, I picked fantasy, the fantasy department over Vegas Insider. And uh, the rest is sports line history. It, it is. I mean, that's one of the you're one of the first ever full time. You know, that's something I take a lot of pride that doing this full time. I did, you know, I was in the industry eight, nine years before I made it full time. And people nowadays, they think they're going to get off the street and be full time. But back in that day, there wasn't an industry. And this is one of the things I want to express to our listeners here on the show. And I talk about it on SXM and things like that is that you have to understand that fantasy sports was not an industry it was not really a thing other than people started playing it and growing in popularity people like scott here like we just rod pythian and uh paul charchian and rick wolf and guys like this created as greg ambrosius who's still you know around and nffc and things like that these people created an industry and started having trade conferences and started companies. And, you know, I always joke that here at fantasy guru where I am now, it's like, I didn't start the company. I'm not the first guy. John Hanson obviously is associated very well. And the guy who designed John's logo when he started fantasy guru is a guy named Bob Harris, another, you know, guy from the industry. It's like every, that's this whole thing started by a group of people that just took it seriously wanted to produce content, knew that a lot of people were interested in that content and started producing everything from articles and data points to uh, trade associations and radio shows and analytics and, you know, the whole the companies and um, all that great stuff that we see now. So 
I, I want people to understand that for a guy like me, if Scott Angle doesn't do what he does and Rick Wolf doesn't do what he does, like I don't exist in that. I'm still working for the government where I was or I'm doing my tech stuff like I, I did, back, although I'm such a dinosaur now, tech has passed me by. But like these opportunities that all of us get, we owe these people a pretty big debt of gratitude. So, um, you know, I, I think it's fascinating to go out that because there was no protection when you took that job. Like you have a family to provide for and you, you talked about life and your kids and stuff. And you're like, okay, taking a shot on fantasy. There's no industry here. It's you're out in the wilderness and you have to either you make something of it or you go back to work, you know, figure out that sports authority or some other retail outlet or something like that. So um, that's a huge risk. When did you feel it was you starting to really catch on Scott? Uh when I think people were recognizing my work. Yeah. Know? Like what was the first when I, when I, when I, when I started getting, getting contacts from like the movie producer of the movie Rudy saying he reads my work. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, things, yeah. things, things like that. And, uh, you Hollywood know, pe- people, people in the company around me, like Michael Levy was the CEO of CBS sports line. Mm-hmm. And He's calling me into his office every week to get fantasy advice. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have to go up to the sixth floor, walk past his administrative assistant, his palatial office. I give mm-hmm. him fantasy advice. He says, Ellen, give him the folder on the way out. The mm-hmm. folder had tickets for any Dolphins or Marlins games that I wanted. So I used to sit on the 50 yard line at, oh, wow. at Hard Rock Stadium, whatever I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got opportunities to do TV spots and people were starting to come over to my cubicle, you know, asking advice all the time. Yeah. Uh, originally, you know, those first, I was there eight years and the first four or five years were like an uphill battle where just like fantasy really didn't, you know, to the newsroom. Like it was, it was funny poo-pooed. because we were it was the poo-pooed. It's funny. The yeah. sports department was always poo-pooed by the news department, but the sports department would poo-poo the fantasy department. Exactly. But when, yeah. when the stock went up to like six, uh, I forgot the price. Yeah, yeah. And the managing editor, Steve Miller, who I'm still friends with this day said, if the stock goes up to this price, I'm going to dance on my desk in front of the cold company. He did that because of fantasy football, because, Sportsline bought commissioner.com and the whole thing took oh, off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I start I started realizing that now I was getting offers to do tele some television, some radio, you know, things like that. I said, you know, okay, you know, this is you know, this is becoming something, but not I I saw there was there there was there was the ramp was kind of tilting upward it wasn't to the point where i was like where i am today where i go wow i got like major league baseball players like texting me and emailing me for (laughs) advice and yeah you know things like that and uh you know later on in my career somebody actually started asking for autographs and i'm like my autograph i was once (laughs) i asked i did that one time scott it was was, i thought we were in private but 
Um, it's fine. <laughs> there, you to know, Jeff, go on, kid. You bother me, Scott. Yeah, yeah you bother. <laughs> uh, the um, I I realized that you. Something I want to go back to something you were talking about earlier about getting. You know, it was always the newspaper when I was doing fantasy. My first league was '89, and then I kind of grew from there. And eventually, by the mid '90s, we were you know, starting to do it. A group of family and friends, but. I used to go, we used to, Chicago Sun-Times was our official paper, whatever, because there's always different, the yardage different. The, there was not as official statistics as we used to have. And um, so we'd always use Chicago Sun-Times, late sports final edition. That's the one to get. And we, so I'd go and we'd go to a, a convenience store that Chicagoans would know called the White Hen. That was right. the uh, store. And we used to go there and you get the late sports final. And it, it, everything would be easy. By the time we got to like 98-ish, right? Right about that time where you're taking off at Sportsline and things, I think, and or maybe a little bit later. And all of a sudden, it, you there would be a line to get the late sports final. And I remember I was, you know, late. I was 20 years old by this time. It was like, okay, what? Why? Everyone's waiting for the late sports final. Everyone's waiting for the, the freaking newspaper. Like it was just an odd thing, and we realized like we're all fantasy football players. Like we're people playing fantasy football and all doing it the way we were doing it. So Sportsline came in at a perfect moment where we needed an online presence and things. But I, I started realizing there, like, oh wow, this thing is a lot bigger outside of my little bubble than um than I had ever thought. Also, how did you become a Seahawks fan? Because that's I've asked this question to you personal before. But you know, you're growing up in in, uh, in Queens, and you're you know Dodger fan. You're a Met and the Mets and Knicks and all this. How does the Seahawks get involved here? Well, never the Dodgers, just the Mets. My father okay, was an old okay, Brooklyn okay. Dodger fan, but he swore them off when they moved to Los Angeles. Uh, <laughs> Mets fan, Knicks fan, and when I was growing up. Uh, I always said I had liked Joe Namath. So I, I said, I guess I'm a Jet fan, but I didn't watch it seriously until I got a little older. Mm-hmm. And when I got a little, little older, uh, you know, the uh, the Jets and the Giants were both playing in New Jersey. And uh, I, I I said to myself, you know, I, I just really liked the whole Seahawks 12th man thing. I really did. Right. And I liked their colors and I liked a lot of their players. And then I watched them beat the Dolphins in the Orange Bowl and go to the AFC Championship when nobody expected it and carry their coach off the field on their shoulders. And I I was just hooked. You know, a lot of people in New York root for out-of-town teams. Mm-hmm. And I root for the Mets and the Knicks. But, you know, I, I really wasn't that tied to the Jets. It's like... If people ask me who I like in hockey nowadays, I don't really watch hockey at all. I might say the Islanders because my father was an Islanders fan. But if I started watching hockey, I could easily become a Devils fan. Who who knows? Right. Well, I probably won't start. It's just not my no, sport. No. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I really wasn't that heavily tied to a team. And it just... I really liked the Seahawks style of play. I liked a lot of their players. I love the whole 12th man thing. I love the colors and just, it was, it was just something about it. You know, the whole Pacific Northwest, it's, it just fascinated me. And, you know, when they beat the dolphins in the orange bowl and upset them as a Cinderella team, I just, I got hooked. 
Yeah, I mean, I know exactly the team you're talking about. They, you know, whatever it was, they, the ones that lost to the Raiders um, yeah. in the championship game. There, Marcus Allen going off um, in that AFC championship game, and obviously the Raiders going out to win the Super Bowl. And um, yeah, I mean, heck of a season that was against. The I'd watch him that whole year. Yeah. several times on TV. And my father had always pointed me them out to me when they came on TV when they had Jim Zorn ah, because yeah. he said, hey, watch this team. They're fun. They pull mm-hmm. a lot of trick plays and stuff like that. So my father influenced a little bit too. The Kurt Warner thing, you know, Kurt with a C before the quarterback Kurt yeah, Warner yeah. was one of the first all-time workhorse running backs that I can remember as well. And my favorite, football my too. favorite player until Richard Sherman. Uh, I oh, still nice. have a Kurt Warner throwback jersey, and people don't know who he is. They're like, "When did Kurt mm-hmm. Warner play for the, the Seahawks? He just played right. for the Rams and the Cardinals and the Giants. What are you talking about?" Like, oh, I went to the Pro Football Hall of Fame after the Fantasy Football Expo mm-hmm. in August and was wearing my classic Kurt Warner jersey, and some guy stopped me and took a picture to send to the NFL Network because they're always identifying, you know, rare classic jerseys. Goes, I've never heard of this guy. I've never Whoa, seen wow. his jersey. Let me take a picture of you. People don't know who Kurt Warner is unless they're a Seahawks fan. He was an incredibly exciting cutback runner. No doubt. And for one of the first, well, him, Peyton, Walter Peyton in those days would catch the football. He changed the franchise. They traded up to get him in the first round. And his yeah. first run from scrimmage was a plus 60-yard touchdown run. Uh, and the Seahawks made the playoffs for the first time that year. Right uh, in the back of Warner. I love that. And, you know, Dave Craig and Z- Jim Zorn coming of age, that and Steve Largent, all time great possession receivers of all time. So th- those were some fun teams. So I get it. Um, and I always say, I tell it now, um, you know, my son's 12 years old and he doesn't have the allegiances that I do to certain sports teams. He pretends he likes the White Sox because I'm from the South Side and I like them and the Bears, but really, he likes, you know, the teams and players from all over the place. Like he, you know, he really likes the uh, the Lakers, of course. Which that's that one bothers me, but uh, um, <laughs> you know, different different teams that he likes. Uh, and uh, he likes the um, the Dodgers. Oh God, he's an LA guy. He likes the Dodgers. He likes the uh, Yankees because of Aaron Judge. And I'm like, I grew up hating the Yankees, being a, a White Sox fan. So, but I, I think there's more of that because it's a lot closer world than it used to be. We could see these games, we know of these players, and I think it's it's a lot different than when we grew up. So, you being a Seahawks fan definitely was rare for your time, it, and especially true. living in New York. Yeah. The most fun that I used to have Mm -hmm. before the days of the internet was, is I loved wearing the Seahawks colors, like jackets and hats and everything. (laughs) Yeah. And trying to hunt down Seahawks merchandise was, it was like a goal, you know, it's, it's like this incredible, like scavenger hunt that you go on at sports stores and you find a hat or a jacket or a shirt or a Jersey and you're thrilled, but it also drove, drove my wife, you know, crazy. Just like couldn't find anything. And, you know, then, then when you get it, it's like such a sense of victory and like nobody else is wearing it. No right. one. Totally on yeah. an Island back in those days. Yeah. 
Um, that's that's awesome. So then you go. So you're at Sportsline forever, and then you eight fast years. Forward. Yeah, eight years, man. That's a life yeah. a lifetime in this industry. That's for sure. So then fast forward to the days of then you're you know call me called roto experts back in those days and then well the serious, before that there was, there yeah. was four years at espn yeah that's true yeah. espn well um there was uh hansen there while you were there no i was i i replaced brandon funston one of my funston. favorite people in the industry He's who actually called to let me know that he was leaving you know i worked i worked with eric carabell uh, and Tristan Cockroft, one of my oldest friends in the industry for four years. That's uh, that's fantastic. And then you get to to the start of a radio station like that by now. So I got in the industry around 2005 and, you know, I was doing other things and always wanted me and my current partner, Ted Schuster. Uh, on the show, we were like, all right, what do we do next? I had sold a business in tech, just a, a computer repair company. And I'm like, all right, I got some money. Let's do something that we want to do. And fantasy sports was just what we wanted to do. So I did that. I did it for five or six years. Got nowhere with it. I thought, you know, I could change the world with my ideas. And it just, it was a gr much more of a grind than I had ever anticipated, but kept with it because I loved it so much. And then it was right around that 2010 time frame where now, and I was podcasting back in those days and, you know, nobody really was podcasting. There was very few. I was doing blog talk radio and, um, blog, different outlets, I remember so that so. when you we used to log into blog, blog talk radio, you would hear the British accent of the yes. lady. Bloke talk, right talk radio. Yes, absolutely. Uh, those were the days, man. If you and are the host, press one. One. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you sounded just like her. Are you sure? Is that one of your gigs too? Is that were you the one doing that? I I knew it wasn't her. I uh, I, I was yes. You know, Nando DeFino, another industry legend, introduced me to Blog so Talk Radio, which had a fantasy sports channel yeah. before Sirius XM. Mm -hmm. on it the did. internet yeah and it was my dream to get on that i eventually got on that i got onto that one because all you guys jumped off of that one and went to i was i was chasing you for years scott angle because then you guys went to sirius xm and you got the morning show there you launched that uh that network um on, on sirius xm and talk about a little bit about how that came about and what that was like starting out doing you know, fantasy sports radio. Yeah, we had we had launched RotoExperts.com, and uh, I had helped get us some significant deals with like NFL.com, Yahoo Sports. You know, to get us more visibility, and uh, people on our management team had some connections at SiriusXM, and Steve Cohen, uh, still running the sports department, and Matt yep. Deutsch, who was the longtime program director, uh. You know, sat me and Adam wrote us down and said, uh, you know, we're looking for a morning show. Uh, and we're going to put you guys in that slot. Try to bring some personality. Let people, you know, uh, let people know something about yourself. And uh, it was me and Adam wrote us to start. Yeah. And our original producer, Mike DeBurgis, who was the first I'm still friends with today. And he nicknamed me the king. Yeah. Of uh, fantasy sports <laughs> because, you know, Mike is, there's an old Mel Brooks movie called history of the world part oh, yeah. one. And, uh, he used to quote it all the time. And, uh, 
And then he started calling me the king and he started playing a clip from the movie where Mel Brooks would say, it's good to be the king. Okay. So whenever yeah. I introduced myself this morning, in the morning, you go, it's good to be the king. <laughs> yep. You know, because I would always introduce everybody with a nickname. You know, like, right. you know, Adam the ponytail, Adam, Adam the criminal <laughs> Ronus, I called him back in those days. You yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, my, yeah. My, I forgot what my nickname was for Mike. And he started calling me the king, but I, Adam and I, we were the first ever voices you heard on that channel in April of 2010 when we launched yeah. and, yeah. and we never thought it would become what it did because, you know, Mike said to us, is anybody going to call in? Right. And the first week of fantasy football season, he couldn't handle all the calls. Right. So, you know, basically, you know, our management team at Roto Experts, you know, had the right connections over at Sirius XM to Got get us there. a morning slot. Mm -hmm. And from there, it was really on us to make it happen. And you guys did. I mean, that's the thing is you, so I, I heard about this through the industry. And at this point I'm going to the trade events and things like that and all the conferences and trying to meet and greet as many people as I can. When they did this, I, I had always dreamt I think my dream job back in the day was, well, I want to be a beat writer. And then I, was, me too. Yeah. yeah. So that was like my thing. Oh, I got a chance to do this in like, Oh, four, Oh, three, Oh, four. It was, I was a stringer for the daily Herald. I would report to the beat writer. I would take notes and record at that point. And I remember my first time with Ozzy Guillen of the white Sox, and Ozzy says some of the craziest, and we can curse on this. He said some of the craziest shit. I've ever heard in my life. And I'm recording the whole time. I'm new. I'm raw. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm here on the biggest day. You know, Ozzy's talking about females in the audience. And like, it's wild. And then he goes, all right, all right. You guys could turn your, your recorders on now. And I'm like, oh shit. That was <laughs> off the record. Like I, it was my first experience. Like, oh, and then we goes on and does, and I'm like, oh, okay. So, you know, I did that for a couple of years, bouncing around. That was my dream. Then I always wanted to be the play-by-play -play guy of the White Sox. Like, I always thought baseball broadcasting. Like, for some reason, I wanted to be that guy for a number of years. So I, I was – I'm a radio head. I've always loved the radio. I grew up – my mom drove a school bus, and I would have to ride with her in the summers and breaks. But she had a transistor radio on at all time. So, like, every Chicago radio legend from – Wally Phillips to Bob Collins and then eventually Mike North and Dan Jiggets and all these guys. Like I grew up Dan with Dan Jiggets. Yeah. He actually spoke Bears. at an FSTA conference. He did. Yeah. yeah. Way back. Um, yeah. He's a tremendous guy as well. Dan, uh, uh, Dan Jiggets. But so that was, and when you, so I always wanted to do like radio and when they made a fantasy sports radio, I will never forget. I heard you and Ronas. And then I heard a draft with Al Frank and, and Kyle Al Frank. And I said, this, this is my life. This is, I have to do this. I don't know what. And I, it's like that time I was not successful in the industry. I didn't really, you know, I, I had a bit of a following that really. And I'm like, you know, it made me recommit. I said, this is what I need to be doing. This is my dream. And it was just like a life-changing moment. It just reinvigorated me to, you know, double, triple, quadruple down on, on making something of it. 
And, uh, you know, I was in with the second or third wave of hires. They hired me for the baseball show and one day a week replacement baseball show. And, you know, the rest is history there, but, um, I mean, a great time there. I remember then eventually I got in and then like, yeah, I worked my way up a little bit and then I got the midnight show, which was a 12 to two AM Eastern. And then, you know, we'd be replays until six when you guys went live on the Roto experts show. And a lot of time there used to be, a, we had a whole couple of years where like we would always take i would hear something that you and, Corey and adam and, and Corey parson the fantasy executive would say <laughs> on that i would respond to on the midnight show and then boom you guys would be right back on the air four hours later responding to whatever it was yeah we we uh you, you your star rose pretty quickly and i enjoyed listening to you yeah. and i i always would pick out something that you would say and try to tell our producer rob phoenix or Corey parson <laughs> to like send it to you for the next night yeah. and i remember the first on-air debate that we had had when russell wilson was just starting out as a starter you said he's oh, never going to make it as an nfl never. or fantasy starter because he's too short too short and i we, we argued about we yep. argued about that and <laughs> yep. I, I, I stand you by it when he succeeded i stand but, by my my words there I, i'm i'm but there were other the times version. that you that you were right and i was wrong too so matt forte it was, it was a lot of fun to go back and yeah. forth but you know, I still get people coming up to me today. Like I went to the FSGA conference in Detroit this year, and I went mm-hmm. to, I went to, uh, went to the Fantasy Football Expo yeah. in Canton for the first time. And Bob Long does a tremendous job there. It's just, it's so much fun whether you're a fan or an industry guy. He's so guy. good. And I get so many people coming up to me to this day to Adam, who was there, just like. I love that show so much. I listen to you every morning. I hear it at least twice or three times a week. Right. You know, you guys were the best to listen to you all the time. That was the greatest show ever. And it's just like, I didn't realize what was going on while I was in it. You know, I was just right. in the daily grind, the intensity and the excitement of it. But you asked me earlier, when did I realize, you know, I was, people are starting to listen. I'm like, I'm getting Denny Hamlin in studio to talk NASCAR. And he's <laughs> telling me, listen to my show for fantasy football. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it, I'm going out, you know, it was Mike Demerges' idea to go out because Mike had worked at the MLB channel to get credentials for major league baseball and go out oh, and nice. interview the players, Yeah, yeah. which I still do on the oh. channel this day for Roto Bowler Radio. Love that. And I, mm-hmm. I went out and started interviewing baseball players and, you know, talking to them about certain trends that I could play back into fantasy on the air. But then the players, every major league baseball clubhouse has a fantasy football league. Oh, yeah. So when these guys found out I was a fantasy guy, they mm-hmm. start asking me for fantasy football advice. And I get relationships with players that other media members just don't get in terms of them dropping their their guard with me in a way that like uh you know they're comfortable with me they know i'm not a a guy looking to get breaks a big story off of them and they just want to talk fantasy football with me you know it's you know, like just last week i had like four washington nationals surrounding me asking me <laughs> about their drafts you know it's yeah it 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 became crazy you know it's just 
And then, you know, I grew up a huge Met fan and like David Wright is taking me out to lunch so we could talk about his draft. You know, it's just, <laughs> yeah. it became crazy. Then we're doing live remotes and people remotes. are asking me for autographs and mm -hmm. taking pictures. I'm getting ce celebrities in the studio and every morning, you know, okay, we're bringing Mookie Wilson in here to see, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're bringing Raj from the Big Bang Theory in here, you know, right. it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it became crazy and it was just it was a wild ride I'm, st I'm still grateful to be on the channel whenever i can yeah oh uh, you know because it's like home to me in a way oh yeah but you know those are things change in yeah. radio you know that of course it was it wasn't yep. gonna last forever but mm -hmm. it, it it was some it, it was some ride we were the most one of the most listened to morning shows on sirius xm yeah Absolutely. I mean, that, that station's popular. It was huge. The show was huge. It was a franchise show. And, you know, to do the morning show, you are the franchise of the network, essentially. I mean, that's just the way radio is. They put that there. It's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, but you got you got to do it right. You got to, And we, yeah. we did in terms of the chemistry and the people right. that, that we picked as, as talent, you know, mm -hmm. and produce you know, unsung heroes like Rob Phoenix, who was a producer and just added so much to the show that, that people didn't know about. And Corey playing that unique role, you know, we can yeah. laugh about it now. Corey was supposed to be the producer. He just used that as a label to get on the mic. And right. he, he actually became the third member of the team. And it was funny because, you know, people at our company, not Sirius XM, were like, he's not supposed to be talking like this right. you know, and, and stuff like that. But, mm -hmm. you know, the listeners just enjoyed it so much that, you know, I I, I wasn't going to I, I wasn't going to tell As him to stop. Yeah, no, it was great. And you're right. The thing people don't realize about the radio side of it is there is a lot of business to it. There's a lot of in, you know for the content provider it's true in the entire business like when we were coming up when you were forming this industry and when i was coming up after that it was like do the best content produce the best content engage as many people appeal to as many people do be the sharpest you can be um and then you know you get a billion dollars plus infiltrating the business and people who don't really understand those elements are pulling on you and prodding and moving things around and adjusting. And, you know, what I fight for every day on that, on the elite sports show is that I want, I just want to do, I want everybody to have fun. I want to have a blast. I want to inform, engage, entertain. Like I want, I want this to be a good time without having to act who gets what airtime and who, you know, whatever it is, Everybody's part of the show and the producers are as big of a part of the show yep. as the people uh, that are hosting, whether it's me, you, Ronis or Ted or whoever is on our shows. Like the producers do so much work. That's so important. But speaking of which I got to ask you because um, there's a good friend of mine and my producer that has a bit of a grudge against you now, because at the uh, fantasy football convention, the uh, really? uh, yeah, Bob Lung, Phil Backert says you did not recognize him uh, at that fantasy football convention in Ohio. And he was, uh, he was hurt by it. Joking, of course, but yeah. Phil okay. Said, Phil I felt bad. I felt bad about it too. I apologized <laughs> to him like 73 times and you can pass about five that. more his way because, 
you know, I just got it off a yeah. long flight and, oh, yeah. and then I did at, at Akron airport, Canton Akron airport. It's very hard to get a taxi. And I waited over an hour oh, and I walked, God. I walked in and sometimes when you don't see people regularly and you know oh, yeah. them and they're right, you're right there in front of you. Yep. You, you have, you go blank. Not and, to mention, we haven't been together in these settings in like a number of years either. It's been a while. Yeah. So we've all I felt really bad because <laughs> Phil and I like work so much together on Zoom, you know, over yeah. the last few years. I'm like, you know, I, I recognized like I, there was a whole serious XM group. They're like, Scotty, you know, like they yeah. all came to hug me. Yeah. And I recognized everybody in the group except for Phil. Oh, <laughs> Uh, well, Phil has bulked up. He's got massive biceps now. So he's been, he's gotten into the workout theme. So I'm surprised you could even that, see his face. That, that's maybe why I didn't recognize yeah. him because <laughs> exactly. there were muscles popping in front of his face exactly, or, or something like that. But that doesn't mean I, I, uh, I, I, I don't love Phil. It's like, right. I blanked a few times because it was overwhelming at these things. Like how many people you see that, you know, and then sometimes you can't put the name with the face. Right. You happens know, to me all the I make, time. I I grab yeah. I grab their I grab their like their lanyard and you know look, look at their badge yep. just saying saying oh you know how did how did how did they uh, put this together for you you know just have some sort of excuse just to look at it. Well, you back know, in the days, it's funny it was... because one of the Mets announcers, late uh -huh. Mets announcer Ralph Kiner, oh yeah, couldn't recognize anybody, so he used to just say, "There he is." There he is. Yeah. Right. Smart. Just use a nice blanket statement and yeah. uh, get it out. And that's the thing back in the day, we used to have to do that because we weren't, there was like one or two events a year. And it's usually the FSTA back then. Now it's FSGA uh, events. And it was like, that's it. You saw each other twice a year, but you'd be in communication via, you know, that those days, Facebook first, eventually Twitter, yeah. e email, or phone calls, but you wouldn't see It's like see you don't see Phil back, and I hardly ever right. see him. But, you know, I've treated Phil just like everybody else because Ronis always laughs at this, yeah. and he got such a kick out of it. Every event we end up at, I inevitably be, don't end up recognizing somebody for some reason. Right. And this time yeah. it just happened to be Phil. Phil, Phil <laughs> just got the wheel. The wheel fell to uh, yeah. to Phil back. Or, well, uh, I want to mention everybody follow Scott Engel on Twitter at Scott E the King uh, on Twitter. Also, uh, you know, game day HQ is where he's at right now. Uh, and that game day crew does work for Roto baller as well. Does serious X and fantasy still uh, from time to time. And then Seahawks.com as well. Uh, doing all of that great stuff. What do you what, tell us, talk a little bit about game day and at the game day HQ a little bit. There, Scotty. Yeah, the game day.com I started this year. Uh another fantasy industry vet veteran, uh Tim Heaney. Uh when I saw Loved they had him. an opening for a content creator, I reached out to Tim and he said he was very happy to bring me on. It's worked out great. I'm doing uh both fantasy and gambling and syndicated writing content for them. Uh at the game day.com. You could check out my weekly waiver wire report there for fantasy football and baseball. I do my fantasy sleepers every week, my prop picks, and we have a lot of syndicated partnerships at the game day.com. Hmm. So my work's popping up like all over the place. You know, Mets Online, 
Uh, you know, my fantasy league is picking us up as a syndication partner, Fantasy Sharks. And nice. of course, you guys over at Elite Sports yeah, uh, published my futures last 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 month mm-hmm. and doing some syndication work for you guys who have now a partnership with us. So, uh, you know, my uh, my tentacles are spreading <laughs> everywhere. You got yeah. something figures are in all the pots. Uh, what about betting? Like that's a, it's a newer thing. Um, you know, when it was first getting popular, obviously after the laws to change and, and it started becoming popular, like I wasn't sure. I I had I'd always been interested in the lines. I had bet from man. I me and my old man used to bet college football bowl days back in uh, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, a quarter a game. You know, back in those days. So I was always a fan of that. My buddies and I all bet, but it was it's one of those things that. I was way into fantasy angle of it. And then betting was coming along and I wasn't sure how it was going to affect the fantasy game. And I wasn't sure how this was going to blend. And I also wasn't sure personally about myself producing content for it. I wasn't, you know, I'm like, Ooh, you know, it's, it's a tough road when you talk, talking money and fiscal responsibility. And um, I, you know, I test road, for a couple of years did the five team parlay segments and things like that. And it was, it was for a couple of years. I realized, okay, I was secure enough in, in providing that talk a little bit about like getting into the betting angle of it after years of doing fantasy. When I was growing up, I was never a big gambler. I, like you said, fiscal responsibility. I, I didn't want to take my money and, and lay it on something I couldn't control. Right. I felt like, you know, with fantasy, I always felt like you draft your team, you set your lineups, things like that. But growing up, I was always the guy like in the pre-internet era at school, like in high school and college, people would would uh, do, uh, you know, they, they'd have these these betting sheets that weren't legal and that and somebody would take collect all the money and and, uh, you know, the spreads and the money lines and everything. And people would always ask me, Hey, I got one of these betting sheets. Can you help me with my picks? I'm like, yeah, sure. What the heck? And they would win money. Right. Uh, gambling was always something that was looked, looked to as bad, upon. you right. know, frowned mm-hmm. upon. So yep. when people would say f- fantasy sports is gambling, I would get angry. Same. He even had 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 arguments with people about DFS when it first launched, right? Because I yeah. just didn't want to be associated with the word. But then things started lightening up, and then I realized you talked about people wanting full time jobs in the industry, and just like fantasy wise, they're not there anymore. You know, right. I realized though that jobs period that betting was where it was going to go. It was getting legalized. And a lot of the skills that I had uh, scouting fantasy played into gambling. When I help people with, uh, you know, with spreads and things like that, you know, they would win. I had a jinx whenever I would bet, though, that something wouldn't happen. <laughs> right. Uh, right. But a few years ago, I saw, I, you know, I saw the old cliched writing on the wall. And uh, then I eventually went back to CBS Interactive. Mm-hmm. in 2019 and working for their gambling arm sportsline.com and worked there for two years and got very comfortable to the point where you know now I'm pumping out regular gambling analysis for uh for uh 
thegameday.com. Yeah, and I think that that's something, especially folks and people like Scott, myself too, I've been around a long time. It's one of those things where there's money involved, it's a different level of responsibility. Fantasy football for a long time was, you know, people make fun of it, funsies, but, you know, it's one thing to lose a league and a bad start sit, bad waiver pickup, something like that. And you lost your league and maybe there's an entry fee involved, but you could always come back from one bad move or start. So it's another thing when you start getting into the, the DFS stuff, even high stakes you know, seasonal back in the days. And then now betting it's, it's a different level. I think the comfort level as an analyst is I don't want somebody who's overly secure and sure of it and firing off all kinds of bets and plays, because I don't think they're taking it seriously enough for the consumer. I think that's one of the things where I could tell in Scott's voice here and, and the content he produces at the game day.com is like, all right, let's, let's make sure what we're putting out there is properly aligned. It's responsible and and it's more likely to happen than not based on, you know, our analysis. That's important because there's a lot of, Picks, 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 picks. I tell people all the time, I don't want to be that site. I don't want to be that company. I don't want to be that person. I don't like picks, 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 right? You want analysis and reasoning. Why do you think this? Why do you like the over? Why do you like under? What? And if you're not doing that type of analysis, you can get yourself, and more importantly, you get your readers and your consumers in a lot of trouble. So, um, it's responsibility that needs to be taken seriously. So I uh, appreciate you with that. The other thing then um, I got to talk about is so funny is that the producer of this here podcast, one man's opinion happens to be a familiar uh, face to you. Uh, <laughs> and that's because it's your, your son, Sean angle, who I uh, thank every day at the end of the show as well. He, does an amazing job producing this and getting it up for everybody. And Sean does amazing work for us. Start out doing like some live stream productions of video production. He's does podcasts and live streams and video. And now he writes NASCAR for us as well, which I know is a big sport in the angle household in general. So, I mean, what's that, how, what's that been like to see like now your son getting in, you know, following in, the old man's footsteps a little bit here. What's that been like for you? Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily following in my footsteps because he's never gotten into fantasy football. I mean, he, you know, he likes the green Bay Packers. Okay. And yeah, he share he shares my love for the Mets, but you know, he, he wants it. He's, he's going through his own path and he's doing great with it, you know, working for you guys and some other places. Uh-huh. Uh, but NASCAR was interesting because when he was very young, he was he he's gonna kill me when he hears this. So it was dad talking about <laughs> yeah, when I was five again. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but when he was very young, he was very into automobiles. Like yeah. he would collect Hot Wheels and Matchbox and he would know what every oh, yeah. make of every car was. You know, we we'd right. be on the highway, he'd be identifying makes and models and stuff like that. See something on TV. Oh, that's a Lamborghini Murcielago, you know. So what one day I when he was very young, I put on NASCAR and he loved it. Right. You know, we were living in Florida. I was I New Yorker. I was never into NASCAR. One mm-hmm. of my neighbors said, Hey, come on over. We're having a NASCAR party to watch the race, like they were watching football. Like, what the hell are you guys doing? Right. You know, but once Sean started watching it, I started taking to it. 
and realizing that it's not just a million left turns. There's so much strategy going on and competition and the drivers are all personalities. Like people like the NBA because it's a personality driven game. You know, NASCAR is a personality driven sport and it very much was in those days with Gordon and Jimmy Johnson and Earnhardt Jr. And, you know, those, those kind of guys, Kyle mm-hmm. Bush, Kurt Bush, but he just, he really enjoyed it. And it became something that we watched together. And then my wife got into it and it became a family sport. And then in 2000, and he just knew so much about it. Like right. we had, we had a, a fantasy league uh, at ESPN when uh-huh. he was, when he was about, how old, how old was NASCAR? he? NASCAR? Yeah. When he was 10 okay. years old mm-hmm. and he won it. Wow. And Jeez. I brought him on, on Roto Experts when he was about 12 to start writing that. I would yeah. write my NASCAR columns and I would put a little sidebar in my column, Sean Engel's garage. Okay. And yeah. he would hit on so many of his picks. Uh, for people that played NASCAR and Yahoo at the time, incredible. Yeah, yeah. You know, David Wright. David Wright was in in a in the Mets. I became friendly with Bobby Parnell over NASCAR, uh-huh. the former Mets pitcher in the clubhouse. He started a fantasy NASCAR league after, you know, talking to me about it. And David Wright got in, and he would ask me for Sean for picks through Sean. me. <laughs> uh, yeah. But then I said, man, I wrote a story and said. Uh, I had said, you know, there needs to be DFS NASCAR. Mm-hmm. And then I, 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 and then finally in 2015, I think it was, or maybe, no, it was later, 2018, maybe I forget the year, but uh, DraftKings launched DFS NASCAR. Right. And I it. gave Sean a little cash and said, go ahead and play. Yeah. The very, first time that the, the I think the third race he won a tournament. Jesus. On DraftKings. Well that's great. And he's he's won eight since then. Yeah he and, won I think he just won one this past week. I don't know. Yeah, he's the first he won like one this past week. He, yeah. Was, yeah. he was he was first in uh I think he like first in the quarter jukebox of one of like, mm-hmm. And that's that makes like nine tournament victories for him. So he's paving his own way. He's not a he's not a pure fantasy guy like mm-hmm. his dad. Right. You know, he likes his sports. He enjoys all the behind the scenes stuff that makes everything click. He right. loves that and he loves NASCAR. Uh, he's been fantastic here Thank at you. Fantasy Guru. It's been unbelievable. And it's an inspiration really to me. My son's 12 now and i mean i identify with so much that you said there because it's like that i never forced my son into sports or anything he hangs out he's always gravitated towards it i'm proud of it but like he has his own things like my son doesn't like football hardly at all like i do you know he'll watch it with me but he's not that into it um but he loves basketball like basketball's his thing and he just can't and i was after the the referee scandal and so I was out on basketball for a long time and I publicly declared I'm out. I'm just out. But his passion, his energy for it, it's got me back, you know, and I'm, I'm learning from him. We're watching games and we went to the NBA finals when the Suns were in it um, last year, you know, I saw like that. that. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. that that's a great time seeing it through that. I think the, those bonding moments, I know a lot of our listeners out there, um, 
are, are in that same thing. They, they, you know, pick up lines at school, listening on the radio, and then they come home and they're talking about, they're watching the, the baseball games at night or they're watching football on Sundays, or maybe it's NASCAR races on Sundays and Saturdays and Sundays or whatever it is. And it's just a bonding moment. I love that you guys could share that and uh, that, you know, he's carrying on the legacy there. And I, I you know, I talk about my son. He's like, I'll, he, my son still thinks he's going to Villanova full ride scholarship. He thinks he's going to play bad. I'm like, kid, yeah, I don't have the heart to break it. I'm like, you know, study your stuff because you're going to be going, maybe you'll get to Arizona state someday and, and uh, you won't even be able to walk on. But and he's like, well, and my fallback is I'll just do a radio show like that. It's like, uh, no, it's not that easy. You're going to have to pave your own way and do your own thing. And, um, yeah, go to school. That's tell them to go. go yeah, to it's like it's the it's those bonding moments. Like I bonded with my dad over the Mets. Yeah, made me want to be a sports writer. But if uh, Guru ever starts like a video game, uh, mm-hmm. you know, site, yeah, yeah, Sean could probably be He's your all top, about that too. Your top analyst, just like because he just knows so much about video gaming. Yeah. Uh, well, it's becoming big too. The esports is is a big yeah. deal, and I mean, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. And I'm sure Sean will be great at whatever he does because everything he touches around here seems to turn to gold. And he's Thank been you. a blessing for us, that's for sure. And like I said, he's the guy who produced the pocket. He's the man behind the scenes, one man shop, really. And he just does it every single day, never misses a beat. It's just incredible. So, uh, although we're talking too glowingly about him, I, I feel. And we're putting him up. Not high. enough. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> going to be like, he, he's going to rewind this part. He's like, all right, let's hear this again. Uh, but no, Sean is wonderful. It's, it's great. So uh, I can't wait to see what's next uh, for him and for you, Scott Engel, everywhere that you're doing work. Let's talk. I want to talk a little bit about the NFL season. Currently we're only two weeks in right now. Anything that's before jumped- we get to that. Yeah. Before- yeah. Before we get to that, maybe we can edit this. Uh, Mm -hmm. Do you want to ask me about – maybe Sean can edit this part. Do you want to ask me about working for Seahawks.com? I I do. Yeah, 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 definitely. Go ahead. Yeah, what about Seahawks.com? Why don't don't you ask me the question just so it sounds right? No, you can be – we're live. I don't make Sean do any extra work. We're fine with it. I I do want to – I wanted to ask you that in general, but go ahead. Yeah, you said you were going to ask me about it, so I'm not trying to beat my own drum here, another cliche. Boy, I hate cliches. Um, <laughs> just uh, Seahawks.com, I've done been the uh, their fantasy football writer since 2012. And I have Michael Fabiano to thank for that because yeah. Mike and I worked together at CBS Sportsline. We had an all-star crew that yeah. I'm going to brag that I handpicked back yeah. in the day. You it hired was, Fabs first? It was, it was my call about who got the job. Mm-hmm. And I got I hired Tristan Cockroft first, got him hired first. Okay. And but we liked Mike so much, they created another spot for him. And awesome. later on, we brought on David Ganos, who's in the fantasy oh, sports writers Hall of Fame, yeah. Daniel Dobish, who's oh. been a gambling writer for a long time. We had an all-star crew. And really when Mike left and went to NFL.com, he called me and uh, they wanted to outsource some fantasy columns, and that's one way I helped get Roto Experts on the map. And then, Mike, after we stopped that deal, Mike said, I just got a call from the Seattle Seahawks. 
He said, they're looking for a fantasy writer. And I said, I have one person in mind and he's <laughs> the only person I should have in mind. Mm-hmm. So I interviewed with, with Seahawks, their web team and their, and their, uh, their PR team, because, you know, uh, you know, they want to make sure, you know, when you write fantasy for a team or the league, you can't go around ripping players, but you can still right. say, say things and get the message across in a more, in a, you know, a more respectful, if you will, manner saying that, okay, this guy's a wide receiver four instead of saying, don't start him. Right. You know? right, right. Uh, and I had learned to do that working at NFL.com with Mike as a freelancer. And I told them my experience writing for inside the Seahawks for NFL.com. And they said, give it a try. And like, I'm like, wow. They said, not only are you getting press credentials through the Mets through Sirius XM and getting access and going to the games every homestand. I said, now I'm I'm the fan the fantasy writer for my favorite team. And you got to play that carefully. You know, I those in, who deal with me in the organization that Although I never bring it up, they know I'm a fan of the team, a longtime fan of the team. Right. But I walked that line perfectly, I believe. You know, in and since 2012, just if you go to the Seahawks Fantasy Insider page, yeah, it's pretty much an archive of all my articles from the last few years. And it's, you go to the site today, it's like the fantasy column is leading the site, and it's from me. Right. And you know, that, you know, that's, that's a dream that I never expected to come true. Um, you know, and it, it, because of that, you know, I was able to finally go to a home game in 2018. I got a private tour of the team facility Oh, that nobody's allowed to, outside the organization's allowed to see. I saw the inside of their, their built, their building there. Yeah. Uh, that, that no, 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 no. And, the, 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 the practice facility. Oh, and, pra- okay. Yeah. You know, the practice facility in the team offices that right. nobody ever get to see. And I, I got to, I got to watch a close practice nice. and whenever I want a credential for a Seahawks game, I get it. You know, they treated me great when I went out there and, uh, you know, to have my name on the site, on the front page, just like every Tuesday and Wednesday, it's, it's it's fantastic. That's a yeah, dream come true, like you're you're saying. I mean, that's fan. I was uh first time I was ever in Seattle was this past summer. I went to a um I went to Mariners game, but I parked at in the Seahawks Stadium and I got to see like just the field. First time I've I've never seen a game there, and it's it's a lovely facility and both the ballpark. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just a great area up there, and uh, that that's pretty cool. And yeah, you get to write all those fantasy articles. Cool. So how how uh, so you can't be negative. So what what can you say? Like where where are your Seahawks going this year? I mean that was a huge win against Denver, an emotional game, of course. You know San Francisco. I don't know who expected them to really, you know, win that game. But you got a winnable game coming up in week three against the Falcons. You got winnable game coming up the next week against Detroit. I mean, what's the expectation here, Scott? Well, you know, I can speak more freely when I'm not on that platform. Right. Uh, you know, 
I expected them to perform a little bit better at San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Geno Smith has an incredible 81 per completion percentage. Yeah. But, you know, he's not challenging defenses downfield. I think Pete Carroll sees that and says he wants to open things more up this week. They have to get the defenses right now early in the season. Like, okay, let's don't leave the running back speed us. Uh, Geno's not going to challenge us downfield. We'll be able to keep that offense from beating us. The defense has played better than I expected. If they can open up the offense a little bit more, you know, this team in 2017, when the Legion of Boom disintegrated after 2017, everybody said they were a four win team and they made the playoffs. Right. I don't think they're a playoff team, but they can be respectable and very competitive if the running game starts to click. I think, and And Gino takes some more shots downfield. They're not going to be this tank team that a lot of uh, people say. And sometimes that grates on me because maybe you too, when people say this team is going to tank because when you're around professional sports and the players and the staffs and the front offices and even a limited capacity, these guys don't play to tank. Right. You know, is that no. they're playing for their jobs? Yes. You know, even if the team is three wins, you know, they're playing for their jobs. They at least want to do well for themselves. Teams don't intentionally tank most of the time. I, I don't know about the, the Miami Dolphins, but right. you know, yeah, good question. But te- teams, well, the you know, front they, offices, uh, the front office can not purposely they they can tank because they know that they're going to be there. They're the owners and maybe the front office has promised a little bit of something, but for the coaches and players, yeah, no way. These guys are not tanking. They're not losing on purpose because they can't, you don't have that kind of luxury in, in modern day sports. I think they're insulted by that kind of talk. And that's, that's outside the game fan talk. Right. It it is. And it, you know, like I said, the front office could like decide to not put, a competitive team on the field as much as possible, but there's no telling you what's in the hearts and minds and bodies of those players. Cause they're going out and giving they're all, you can't purposely try to fail on a football field. You will get hurt beyond repair. It's just too physical of a game. It's too much. So even, even yeah. in baseball, you know, teams don't want to hear it. That oh, absolutely. Yeah. They're tag. Although in baseball is what some players, you get the perception even be around the game that, being in certain clubhouses, like, Lacks okay, that's, you know, more lackadaisical for a yeah. losing team. But, you know, in football, you know, I don't get the perception that players and coaches want to tank. Like a lot of Seahawks fans say, okay, we're going to tank, you know, get a top quarterback next season. Right. I don't think they look at it like that because if they fiddle in the, fiddle in the middle of the pack, they'll have their first round pick. They'll have Denver's first round pick. They could trade two picks or something like that to move up if they wanted to. Right. Absolutely. They can, you know, decide to go pay up, get that quarterback if they so choose. So we'll see how that one ends up going, but uh, yeah, Seahawks.com for Scott Engels, fantasy insider stuff there as well. What stands out to you this season, two weeks in Scott, what's the biggest surprise thus far of the season in your mind? The biggest surprise, and by the way, you could also find my stuff at rotoballer.com too. Yes, Don't sir. forget that lineup rankings and, Weekly lineup spotlights helping you make your tough decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of surprising things around the NFL, Jeff, but we can't. 
I think you're going to see a lot of rebound performances this week. I mean, Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet, between them, two catches for four yards, that's kind of a shock. <laughs> I mean, I knew we knew the Bears weren't going to be that good, but right. this bad, you know, I I don't think it is. You know, you're going to see some rebound performances. The Bengals have been surprisingly bad. The Colts have been worse than I've expected. Uh, to the point where I really like the Kansas City defense fantasy wise in week right. three. Yeah. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan's just looking like a shell of himself more than Carson Wentz and Rivers. Terrible. He's yeah. been sacked at AFC high seven times and intercepted four times by the Jaguars and the Texans. Texans. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm surprised by the Lions. You know, when my when I was doing football futures on the gameday.com and on your site. For yeah. the game day via the game day.com in the preseason, I said take the Lions to make the playoffs. So, um, you know, it's a, there's a change in that team outlook, intangible wise and motivation wise and emotionally. And sometimes that helps cap boost a team further than you think they're how they're going to go on paper. That's that's the thing about the NFL, you know, Jeff, mm-hmm. it's not just one on paper, there's it's a game of emotion as well and adrenaline. And sometimes that really fires teams up. And I'll never forget Super Bowl 48 when the Seahawks won. Mm-hmm. And one of the Denver players was saying, well, why do we get our ass beat so badly? He said, right. you know, they just had way more intensity than we did. Denver and expected was, to win that game. Yeah. Like that, It was a foregone conclusion that Denver was going to win that game. And not, first to, snap, not, not to me because I was a well, fan. Not to because, you, but to the world it was. But then the first snap goes over Peyton Manning's head, and it was just an onslaught. It was one of the most yeah. lopsided Super well, Bowls I in had, I had covered them playing the Giants earlier that year, Yeah, and they just completely whipped the Giants. Like They intercepted Eli like five times. And then I went in the locker room, and that's what you don't see. And that team, it was almost like – they were so tough. It was like a biker gang in helmets. Yeah. And I said, these guys, I, I said before the Super Bowl, I said, the Broncos are for a nest team. I saw the Seahawks, the intangible part of them, you know, in the, in the locker room. And I said, they don't realize that this is a incredibly tough team. Cause I already went to media day too. And just saw that like the, Another cliche, like the collective chip on their shoulder. And I said, they're going to get punched in the mouth pretty hard. They better be ready for it. It's amazing. By the way, fact-checking the King Scott angle here. Indeed, Seahawks 23-0 over the Giants on uh, December 15th, 2013. Eli Manning had 18 for 20 – I'm sorry, 18 of 31, 156 yards. Five interceptions. Boom. Can't pull one over at Scott, man. The memory like an elephant. 31.9% QB I'm rate. I'm not that fat. You know, I, know. <laughs> I got a belly, but that's about it. I'm like a uh, lowercase B from the side. You know. <laughs> I resemble those remarks these days, yes. <laughs> my friend. I really do. All right. Before we get out of here, Scott, it's been a, an absolute honor to have you on this episode of One Man's Opinion. And thanks for having grateful me. for everything you've done inspiration over the years the kind words over the years lending us your son here at fantasy guru and one man's opinion is always great before we get out of here though uh what we'd like to do every single week look ahead to week three in football fantasy football and betting 
and I pick out a survivor. Now there's like 65% of people are out of survivor pools. I play in the, uh, the Circa Las Vegas survivor pool. There's about 62% of entries that are already out. I'm fortunate enough to have escaped thus far um, through two weeks. But if I ask you, give me a team. This is a pretty hard week when you look at it. And there's some injuries that worry me. A team that you think has little chance to lose that they're going to win City, for sure. Kansas City. Really? Easily going to easily gonna go, easily okay. gonna go to three and all. The, the, the Colts look awful. I know they're going to get pit. I know we're going to get Pittman back this week, mm-hmm. but you know that's all they have in the passing game. Naheem Hines is leading the team in receptions. Like I said, seven sacks, four interceptions. Uh, in the first week of the season, the, the the Chiefs rolled out to a sixteen point halftime lead uh, over a better Cardinals team. Uh, not, right. they, they're easily going to roll the three and all that. The Colts might be hungry, but they right now I do my props every week on the gameday.com. Uh-huh. I said take Kansas City to lead by plus 13 after the first half. I love that. Yeah. And Kansas City has started out amazing. I mean, they scored in the first drive of all three preseason games of week one. They they failed in the week two against the Chargers, but then came back down, scored on the second possession. So you're I like that bet a lot. They don't waste much time. Andy Reid putting together a quality game plan. And yeah, that Colts offensive line ain't what it used to be as well. Um, I look for the Chargers against Jacksonville at home. I, we'll have to check on Justin Herbert though That's to a make good one. sure. But to make sure Herbert's ready to go, um, because those that torn rib cartilage or broken rib cartilage, which sounds just awful. But assuming he's in, uh, I could roll with the Chargers as the backup survivor pick. You do a lot of the bets over on thegameday.com. Give give us a bet. What bet do you like for this week, Scotty? Well, I, I I got a bunch of them for this week. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm just a small piece of the puzzle over there. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. so there's there's so much going on over there though. But uh, you know, I, I'm I'm big into doing the props over there. Uh, you know, and some of them that I gave, I gave you that Kansas City one. Yep. I actually I actually kind of like uh, kind of like uh, Miami to score first. At plus one twenty five on DraftKings, okay, against okay. against Buffalo. Buffalo's won the last seven games, but Miami's playing at home, mm-hmm. and they've you know Bills have won the last seven meetings between the teams. Miami wants to make a statement here, and sometimes the difference with this year's Dolphins team is the speed. Yeah, and people underrate the or sometimes often overlook the home field advantage that the Dolphins have in South Florida. The early forecast at NFLweather.com is saying 86 degrees of kickoff, feeling like 96. Yeah. And with that kind of speed, I feel like, you know, the Dolphins can, you know, wear out opponents very quickly. And I think they're going to be the first team to score. I dig that. If we're going to, uh, I'll do a straight up bet. And the one that I like right now is, is I've, I'm with you. I had the Lions making the playoffs this year in the NFC. I think the NFC is watered down quite a bit as well. And they're looking good to start, but I do like Minnesota 
at home. Jared Goff's home road splits are just erratic since he's been with the Lions. He's had some real good games against tough opponents at home. He goes on the road just like another guy. And I think that the, the Vikings get back on track. So minus five and a half right now. I think the Vikings will uh, wind up winning that game by a touchdown or more. And speaking of that, um, episode 117 of this very podcast, Scott Angle, I did a, a whole episode devoted to the Miami Dolphins, digging the Dolphins. And I and that was I recorded it on June 30th of this past year. I loved what they did from top to bottom. I hated the way Brian Flores' tenure ended. And the lawsuit, but the coaching, which you know I love. Mike McDaniel's a Yale-educated guy. He kept all the same offensive people, all the same defensive pers- uh, coaching staff. He brought in the speed that you mentioned, and he implemented a system that's going to get the ball out of Tua Tonglevoa's hands quickly and into these speedsters. It's the perfect offense for the pieces they have. And I think we're seeing it right now. So I urge people go back and listen to episode 117, where I spent an hour and a half going through just the Dolphins and why I was really digging them this year. And that's only, I pick it one team every year. It's not like I did like eight of these. One team every year, and they were my team for 2022. Uh, How about an upset of the week here, Scott Angle? Any teams that you think are poised for an upset in week three? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm actually going to pick the Miami Dolphins to beat the Buffalo Bills. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. That will shock people because Bills. I think it's so going to shock people because mm-hmm. the Bills have looked so good. But I think Miami wants to make a statement. I still think Buffalo is winning the division, and I think they can do it at home. You know, this team is – we knew they were going to be good on the secondary, on the defensive side of the ball. But, you know, we get caught up in a week-to-week league. and you know, yeah, especially division opponents who what know I don't, each other. What I don't want to hear after winning this, though, I lived in South Florida for eight years, and uh, every uh, time the Dolphins started like 2-0 and 3-0, oh, it's 1972 it's all over again. You know, oh, it's like, no, no. like I, I couldn't take that. You know, our, it's like, Yeah, our guy Armando Marsal here, it lives down there as well. He's actually a Dolphins fan, but he also despises when they, for the same reason you just said, he tells us that all the time that when they start hot, they act as if it's 1972. It's like, that is, so that evidently is still a thing in South Florida. And now, and now they actually said, there are people texting Armando. He said last week saying that Tua is MVP. It's like, oh my God, you got, like, let's slow down. Like we believe in him. We like the offense around him, but let's slow down with that level of stuff, you know, of, of analysis. That's crazy. But um, I still yeah, like that's the how team. they that's how they get down there. It's like I lived down there eight years, like I said. Yeah, and they would overblow everything. Like I remember people saying Jay Fiedler was a Pro Bowl quarterback. <laughs> you know, Jay think Fiedler. think think things like that. Uh, I don't think people realize Dolphin fans who live locally. A lot of them are like Eagle fans. You know, it's. If if we're doing good, we're the best seventy two. But I think that comes right. from actually not having a maybe one true contending team in like fifty plus years. It's it's been years. a long time. That 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 win over that that win over the Ravens. I can't remember a more memorable Dolphins victory this century. 
Yeah. I, uh, no, definitely not this century. You'd have to yeah. go back to 84 for me to think about any kind. And then 85 when they should have went to the Super Bowl and they got upset by the Patriots. So I, plenty of disappointing ones stand out, but not a, that notable of a win. I will go my upset of the week. I, I'm. It's not a big upset, but I really do. It shouldn't. The Texans are going to beat the Bears, and I don't think it's going to be close. Lovey Smith going back to Chicago, first real-time coaching against the – not coach against them, but being head coach back in Chicago, did it once in Tampa Bay. But this is a meaningful game. He was wrongfully terminated from the Bears organization after averaging nine-plus wins and a Super Bowl appearance. But this is a memorable game for him. This Texans team playing good football. They're playing very good. They cover two defense. When you go against a quarterback that likes to wing the ball the way Justin Fields, Justin Fields wants to throw the ball deep on every play. And when you face a cover two where you have two high safeties, you're in trouble with that idea. You're going to have to settle for the underneath stuff. And I don't think he's at that stage where he's going to do it. So I think the Texans win pretty handily against the Bears. And, you know, you could take the two and a half to three points right now if you would choose. But taking them even on the money line, I don't have any problem with all right speaking of i don't have any problems my guy scott angle it's been a slice of heaven my friend it's great catching up with you i remember to check out all scott's content for one on twitter at scott e the king on the twitter machine the the game day.com is a place to go for all his betting advice rotoballer.com as well seahawks.com I'll be, it's easier to name places Scott's not found at these days than where you can find him. So check it all out, support his work. He's a legend in this business, ladies and gentlemen, any final words here, Scotty? No, it's just been, it's been great, you know, spending time with you. Uh, It's been a while since we've talked, you know, I now remember, you know, (laughs) it feels comfortable. It's like getting into an old chair, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, f- I forget how much fun we, we used to have. And that, yeah, that's man. the great thing about some of us in this industry. You could not talk for years and you know that you're still friends. And that's the wonderful thing about this industry to yeah, me absolutely. over the years is that we're all competitive, yet we're all friendly and try to help each other. And very few industries, I think, are like that. So, uh you, yeah. you know, I don't want to get off on another tangent. You know, I know there's a lot of rivalries between, I guess that's the best word between yeah. those who do this for a living and those who play high stakes fantasy sports. But I look at us all under one umbrella. And I think you and I are two people that have really bridged those two type of communities and you've done it very well. Well, I appreciate the the compliments and you're right. And, you know, like I said before, the people founding fathers, if you will, did it the right way. There's camaraderie togetherness and you could agree to disagree and you'd help each other. And, and, and the whole, it's a different environment. Yeah. There's definitely sections of this industry that have gotten way too. They want to fight all the time and argue specifically on Twitter because they're always nice in person. I noticed that, but on Twitter, yeah. they get real mean. And bitter and hostile, which is always, uh, uh, but I, I, I look to the founding fathers like you, like Rick Wolf and Ambrosius and uh, Charchian and all these guys who have taught us the right way to, uh, to do our work in this business. And I thank you guys for that. 
That's going to do it, everybody. Episode 129 is in the books. Uh, thank you to my guest, Scott Angle, for hanging out an extended period of time. Uh, I kept him a long time on this episode, but we could probably have gone for twice or three times as much. Thanks to our producer, Sean Angle, who uh, keeps this show running. Thank you to all you who support this endeavor of ours, this podcast. I appreciate the commentary. Subscribe, like favorite whatever you got to do to spread the word about this little podcast of ours we do so appreciate it everybody once again like always you may disagree with some or maybe all that you heard on today's program and that's perfectly all right with us because just one man's opinion we'll see you next time everybody Deuces.